Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I want to talk today about the new covenant. Everybody say the new covenant. Now, how many know that there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant? Okay, you're not under the old covenant. You're under the new covenant. Now, there's a lot of people today uh, that are kind of, you know, they want to honor like this uh, kind of roots movement where they go back and they're trying to keep uh, Levitical laws. They're trying to keep all these ceremonial things. And, you know, the only thing they're not doing is, uh, is sacrifices and that kind of stuff. And I, I want to explore this subject today because I think it's important as believers that we understand what we got when Jesus showed up. How many of you know that when Jesus showed up on the earth, he brought something with him? And it wasn't just a new life, and it wasn't just a crucified life that he would give. He, he gave himself to give us something new. And it's not just about salvation. Salvation's at the core of it. But how many of you know that when God saved you, he didn't, he didn't just save you from something. He also saved you for something. Are you with me? And so we're going to explore today the glory of the new covenant. Everybody say a better covenant. A better covenant. So Hebrews chapter 8, if you got your Bible or if you got your your overflow app, you can turn that on. Just remind you that you can leave notes right there in your overflow app. and uh, Or you can bring your desk with you to, to church and, and take your notes and all that kind of stuff. All the good scholarly people will do that. So Hebrews chapter 8, you ready? Hebrews 8, verse 6. Now Jesus, our high priest. Everybody say, Jesus, our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior than the old priesthood. For he is one who meditates for us for a better covenant. Everyone say a better, a better covenant with God based on better promises. Say better promises. Check this out. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. You see that? The word replace. Everybody see that? If you have a paper bobble, you can underline that. For the first covenant had been faultless. There would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. When God found fault with the people, he said in Jeremiah 31, this is, this is where it's taken from, where it's prophesied about the new covenant. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Everybody say new. Everybody say better. It's a new and improved covenant. It's new and improved. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. And this covenant will not be like the old one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and will write them on their hearts. The old covenant was written on stones. The new covenant is written on hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord by following these decrees. For everyone from the least, everyone, everybody say everyone. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. 
and I will forgive their wickedness. Oh, and I will never again remember their sins. And when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Isn't that good news today? I want to talk for just a moment about the Old Covenant. How many of you guys remember the Old Covenant? Now, when we think the Old Covenant, we think exclusively, usually, of the Ten Commandments, right? But understand something about, which is way bigger than the Ten Commandments. The the Ten Commandments are in there, but the Old Covenant is way bigger uh, than the Ten Commandments. The Old Covenant, and when we talk about covenant, we're talking about a contract, an agreement between two parties, So if you and I come together and we come into an agreement, we come into a partnership, we come into a contract with one another, we are in covenant with one another. Understand? So God had a covenant with his people, this old covenant, right? First five books of your Bible are devoted to that. Specifically, the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, correct? So the old covenant was written, number one, to a specific people. Everybody say specific people. Okay, so understand the Old Covenant was written written by God, from God, through Moses, to the Jewish people and their descendants. So if you're a Gentile believer, anybody in here in the room born Jewish? Okay, your brother, your brother is? Okay, so you're born Jewish, great. If you weren't born Jewish, the Old Covenant law wasn't for you. It was for the Jews, Everybody understand? It wasn't a covenant for all people. It was a covenant for a specific people from God through Moses to the Jewish people. The new covenant is available to all people. Faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles. You're a Gentile. When the Bible says Gentile, you can say that's me, right? You're not a Jew unless you're born a Jew. It was for a specific people. Number two, it was for a specific purpose. Now, the purpose of the law, let me tell you this. The purpose of the law was not just so people knew how to do right and wrong things. How many know they already knew how to do right and wrong things? Hello, Garden of Eden, right? There was already a law in effect. The law of God was already in effect. It was already wrong to murder people, even before the law came. It was already wrong. But the specific purpose of this law was to set Israel apart from other nations. This is why there were so many things about don't trim your beard, don't wear clothes with 50, 50% you know, cotton, don't have weaves in your clothes, don't have all these, all these strange regulations we look at and we're like, that's really weird. Why did they do that? They did that. God was setting something up. Are you with me? God was setting up a system through a people to say, my Messiah will come through this people. So God was using the law to refine the people, okay? And in in this law, there's basically three parts. There's the Ten Commandments, the moral law, the ordinance, which were like civil laws. This is how you treat people. And the third was the worship system, the temple, the festivals, the sacrifices, all these kind of things, the worship system. All of it was written in there so the people of Israel could be different than other nations. Are you with me? That was the specific purpose. Really, the purpose was this. To set them apart for what? To set them apart to set a table, if you will. God was setting a table for the Messiah to come through the great nation of Israel. So it was all setting this thing up for Jesus. This is why if you read in Hebrews, it talks about that it was a shadow of the things that were to come. 
Now, now get this. The law is, is not evil. The law was actually, the Old Testament law, when we say law, most of the time this morning, we're talking about the Old Testament law, was glorious. In fact, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that, that it was glorious, but God had something more glorious. Incredible. We want to honor it. We want to say, man, thank God for that. That's the reason why it's, it's valuable for you to know what's in that law. But listen, its purpose was fulfilled. The purpose of the law was fulfilled when Jesus showed up. Now it says in Galatians 3.24 that the law is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Now what happens when you read the law is you go, oh my gosh, this is intense. I need to get saved. I need a savior because I fall short. So the law, the purpose of the law then was to set up the Messiah. Now the purpose of the law has switched to lead people to Christ, to get them out of the mindset of the law and bring them into Christ. It's the purpose of the law. Are you good? So specific people, a specific purpose, and number three, a specific time. A specific time. What was that time? When did that time end? When Jesus showed up. Now, people will object to this and say, well, if you throw out the Torah, which we're not saying you throw it out, right? It is, it is a preview, right? You don't, you don't uh, watch Star Wars and pretend that Darth Vader doesn't have a history, right? Okay, so this is the prequel. It's important for you to know this stuff. It's valuable for you. Are you with me? In fact, you need to know how bad it was. You need to know how intense and meticulous it was. You need to understand that the table that God set for Jesus to come and be served on is very particular. God set it up precisely. So many would argue, they would say, well, if we throw out the law, then people won't know how to do what's right. How many know that there is a new law that is written on our hearts? Um, there is a great uh, guy that I listen to. His name's Greg Kokel. He has a ministry out of... Uh, out of California called Stand to Reason. And there is a, in your notes, in your app or on the website, you can go and there is a article that you can read that explains this a little further. But I want to read his thoughts on this, incredible thoughts on how the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, applies to believers now. This is what he says. Here's the best way to categorize this. There was nothing in the California law that applies to somebody living in Ohio. Ohio has its own statues. And part of the reason is that there are a lot of rules that are in statutes that turn out to be the kind of rules that should apply in any situation, in any state. And if you're going to find them, and in that case, you will find them repeated. But then there are also going to be laws and rules that are unique to that state's situation. Okay? Think of the Mosaic Covenant like a state law. It was given to the people that were in a state for that period of time. We are in a different state now. We have a different covenant that applies to us, and that's the new covenant, and different moral obligations. We are not obliged by everything in the Mosaic law. Why? Because we don't live in that state. That was a set of civil obligations that were applicable to people under that time. Does that mean we can go around murdering people because we're not under the Mosaic law? No. The obligation to murder is a universal law and should be in any law. Cain and Abel. Right? Murder was already bad. 
There are a lot of things that were before the law that were already set into place that were also included in the law. So do not murder should be in every state. Correct? Yes, because it's a moral law. Moral laws do not change. Sinful things, wrong things before the law are still sinful under the new covenant. Good principles were written in the law that still function today. Tithing, honoring people, things like that. Things that were before the law, which were already good, are still in effect. Things that were reemphasized in the New Testament that we have, we understand that there is still a moral standard. Are you with me? Are you guys tracking with me? I know that that's kind of a little heavy and a little, but, but peop, there are many people that are kind of getting into this thing and say, man, if you better be careful the clothes that you wear, you're going to go die and go to hell. It is funny. So I want to talk this morning. We've talked a little bit about the old covenant. I want to really talk about the new covenant, what we're living in today. Are y'all okay? Y'all tracking with me? Four terms of the new covenant. Now this, we're, obviously we don't have, you know, hours and hours or weeks and weeks to talk about this. We're just going to talk about this this week. Four terms of the new covenant. Number one, the first term of the new covenant is the new covenant is perfect. Everyone say perfect. Perfect. Y'all can say it again. Perfect. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. Now, I will say this about the old covenant. It, it was perfect coming from God. The fault was the people. Let's, let's look back at our passage that we just read. Hebrews 8, verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with what? The people. So the problem necessarily wasn't with the law. The problem was with the people. The people can't keep that law. It's a very, 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 very high standard. So the old covenant was problematic because it was based upon human performance. That's why the old law is broken and faulty because it's up to us to keep all those little details. So it wasn't working. So what happened to Israel? Back and forth. Right? Because they had law on a stone, but they didn't have law in their heart. So they would go back, oh, we've got to keep the law. We've got to keep it. And then they're running from God. Right? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Why? Because the fault is with the people. It was all based upon their performance. Listen, God requires righteousness. He requires it. The law demanded righteousness. But Jesus fulfilled righteousness. Romans 8, verse 4. He did this, dying on the cross, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So the righteous requirement of the law, which the law demanded, was fulfilled in Jesus. See, you couldn't keep the law. You couldn't do it. And if if you think you did, Jesus said, hey, if you even think about a woman lustfully, you committed adultery in your heart. See, I told you, you can't keep it. Jesus fulfilled the requirement that the law demanded. The new covenant is perfect because it's not about human performance. It's not, not about the performance of people. It's not rooted in our ability to commit It's rooted in his commitment towards us. 
perfect because the centerpiece of the new covenant, listen, it is perfect because the center of the new covenant is the perfect one, Jesus. That's why this covenant is perfect because Jesus is perfect in every way. You see, the the old covenant was simply instructional, yet the new covenant is invitational. See, religion will always look for a list. It will always look for a list. Get, tell me what I can't do. And now, there are things that you can't do that is a violation for you to do as a follower of Christ. There absolutely are things. But that law is written on your heart, beloved. Religion always looks for a list. We are look, listen, we are not looking for a list. We're, how, how love-filled would my relationship be with my wife if I said, hey, babe, why don't you just make me a list, write down on there the things I can and can't do, and put it on the refrigerator, and we'll have a good marriage. That won't work. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big refrigerator. Maybe you should write a book. Do you want a list or do you want a heart that's marked by God? The new covenant marks your heart. What Jesus, Jesus didn't come to give you a list. He came to brand your heart with his burning, fiery affections. That's why he's like, listen, it's not about the deed. It's about the heart. If you have the heart, you'll have the deed. It'll come. But I want you in love with me. I want you to be a devoted lover. I absolutely want that. But you'll never get devoted with the list. You'll only get devoted with connection. It's the only way it happens. You're not going to fall in love by obeying. You'll obey because you're in love. Listen, if the law is your standard for morality, you have a very low standard. Let me say that again. If the law is your standard for morality, you have a very low standard. And this is the problem that Jesus had with the religious. The Lord, we've done all these things. We have Abraham as our father. He's like, Abraham's not your father. Abraham is justified by his faith. You're justifying yourself by your works. Remember? How was Abraham righteous? Faith. Abraham believed God. We're going to talk about Abraham in a few weeks. Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. So the new covenant looks a lot more like the Abrahamic covenant than it looks like the Mosaic covenant. Because we're made righteous by our belief. Listen, Jesus showed up on the scene and he's like, let's see how much faith you have. Not how many works you have. Faith works. It just does. But he was like, all right, you've been doing that. But do you have anger in your heart? You have bitterness in your heart? You have murder in your heart. You have lust in your eyes? You're looking at porn? Adultery in your heart. So you want a list? Listen, that list is a very low standard. Jesus wants to get to your heart. So the new covenant is not a lower standard. It's a higher standard. Because it's loving God with all of our heart, something that Jesus reemphasizes in the new covenant. Because God's standard was always love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Even before the Mosaic law, he wanted that. 
So Jesus comes and is like, what does the law require? What's the most important? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus is like, that's right. You've got it. Bing, bing. Oh, don't forget. Love your neighbors yourself. Do all that. You'll fulfill the law. You'll fulfill your moral obligations if you love me. The old covenant focuses on go and do. Jesus says, come to me and belong. Go and do or come and belong. Obedience is involved. Listen, let me, let me make this very clear. Lest you think you can just go out and do whatever you want. Obedience is involved under both covenants. It doesn't mean that there's not a covenant. There is still, Jesus is the centerpiece, but there is still a part of you on this covenant. It's a covenant with you. There's a give and take from both parties. Are you okay? Obey, obedience is involved under both covenants. But the new covenant is heart-driven obedience, not lawlessness. The scripture talks about lawlessness. What does that mean? That means that you just kind of live in however you want. No restraints. So God writes his law, his expectations on our heart. Jesus emphasizes them. Sermon on the Mount talks about meekness. Talks about humility. This is the standard that we're called to now. Um, you can only become if you belong. And if you become, you will naturally do. You behave by belonging and becoming. You behave by belonging and becoming. Come and belong. See, Jesus didn't invite you to a standard. He invited you to a family. He invited you to a family. He invited you to serve this God as your heavenly father, not as your heavenly dictator, not as your heavenly taskmaster, not as your heavenly Darth Vader. You're my son. Oh, crud. Never. Yeah, it's impossible. Right? No. Listen, there is doing, there is behaving involved, but it's an obedience based upon labor, or is it a yielding of our will based upon love? God, I know I want to do this. I know it's so wrong, but I love you. You have my heart. So I say no to ungodliness because of your grace. See, grace empowers you. It doesn't dismiss your sin. It empowers you not to sin. Sometimes grace convicts the crud out of you. Aren't you glad? That's grace. I don't deserve to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. But when I do something stupid, he says, listen, Josh, shouldn't have done that. Yesterday, he did this. What are you thinking? Lord, Listen, he is perfecting us. He is perfect. This law, this new covenant is perfect because it's based in the man Jesus. And listen, he is perfecting you. How many say, I'm not there yet? I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. We're working on it. But he is perfecting us. We call this sanctification. Uh, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. He'll be faithful to complete it. He's faithful. He's going to complete the work in your life if you will yield yourself 
to the process. It's perfect. This covenant is perfect. And it's perfect because number two, it's personal. It's a personal covenant. It's not, it's not just a covenant for a people. It's also a covenant for you privately. Woo. God had you in mind. Hebrews 8 verse 10, what we just read, I will be their God and they will be my people. When God looks at you, he's not, oh, yeah, and you know, that other son that I have, we normally keep him on the back. No, he's like, I'm their God. They're my. So when the enemy accuses you, which scripture says that he does, he goes to the father and God goes, they're my people. Jesus is standing there. He's going, that's that's what I paid for. I paid that they could be my people. So you remember that when the enemy comes and he's attacking you. You see the, the affirmation of your heavenly father looking at you and go, he's my people. That's my people. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, the old covenant is rooted in instruction. The new covenant is rooted in identity. God changed who you are. Song of Solomon 2.16. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Lord, we're yours and you're ours. It's personal. When God makes a covenant, it's always personal. See, it was personal with Adam in the garden when God showed up. And Adam was afraid. Guess what? God still showed up. Adam blew it, and God still showed up. Can I tell you, you blew it yesterday. God still showed up for the meeting you were supposed to have for him today. That's grace. And it's personal. So when Adam blew it, God showed up personally in the garden and said, I'm going to take care of this. You've been covering little fig leaves. They're only good for a few hours. Let me give you something permanent. When Noah saw the world was falling apart and the heart of God was breaking, God said, Noah, build a boat. Noah's like, it's never rained before, right? (laughs) What are you talking about, build a boat? And what happens at the end, God provides a beautiful rainbow in the sky. Let's remember the purpose of the rainbow. It's a covenant-keeping God, a promise-keeping God. Don't let, don't let the, the, the mindset of the world pollute what that is. You can put a rainbow on your car. Come on. Somebody ask you, you tell them why. It's because God made a covenant with man. When I see that, that's what I think. With Abraham, God showed up and he said, you know what? You've been believing. He said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. What's he talking about? Many, he's talking about us. God shows up. When God showed up to the children of Israel, said, I'm going to deliver you. What did he do? He showed up. He showed up at the pillar of fire. He showed up in the cloud. He led them through the wilderness. He showed up. Listen, it's been personal with God's people through the beginning of time, and it's personal today. It is personal with you. See, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through the man Jesus. When he showed up, he didn't bring a list. He said, here I am. I'm the list fall in love with me. Be with me. I want your heart. 
It's personal. He came for you. He's in love with you, madly in love with you. He's the perfect gift, and he's personal. God is, listen, you say, man, I, I wish God would just do something in my life. He gave you Jesus. We have no complaints. We have the best thing. It's good. It's good news. The greatest thing that ever happened in your life has already happened. 2,000 years ago, it was personal when Jesus showed up on the scene. Woo! It's good news. It's perfect. It's personal. Number three, it's promise-filled. It's promise-filled. It's promise-filled. Hebrews 8, 6, the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one. For it is founded on better promises. It's better. It's better. That's why we're calling this today the better covenant, the better deal. You know, when God made a covenant with the people of old, he gave them his name. Because in order to have a covenant, you have to have, you have to be able to sign your name on something. So they were like, oh, God, who are you? I am who I am. He said, I am Yahweh. I am the covenant-keeping God. That's what Yahweh is. God said, I'll give you a name to identify me with. What is that saying? It's saying, I'm personal, but I'm also giving you a name because I'm promise-filled. And one thing about God, listen, is this. Even though the covenant has changed, the nature of God has not. Are you with me? The agreement has changed. God has not changed. Right? He's not a man that he should lie. Hebrews 13, 8. What does that say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a covenant-keeping God. He is still Yahweh. He is still Jehovah. And he cannot violate his nature. He can't stop people. Oh, the Lord quit healing people. He can't stop healing people. He's the healer. He can't stop delivering people. He's the deliverer. He don't change. Your bondage, he set you free because he's the deliverer. See, when we were sinful, shameful, and corrupt, he is still Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness. When we are in need, he is still Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When we are overwhelmed and overcome, he is still Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. When we are sick or diseased, he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. When we are shaken and our world is crumbling around us, he is Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. When we are lonely and afraid and lack courage, he is Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. He is there. He is here. He is with you. And he will never, ever, ever, ever leave. He's not going anywhere. And he's not going to change anytime soon. My God keeps his word. My God keeps his promises. He cannot violate his nature. He's not mad. And he's not upset. And he's not frustrated. And his wrath has been poured out on Jesus for all the crud that you've ever done to violate him. So, This covenant is perfect. You see, it's personal. It's promise-filled. But the most beautiful thing about this covenant is that it's paid for. This covenant that we are in with God is paid for. You know, we sang this song uh, this morning. 
you deserve it all. I, I don't do this often, but I will say this in this moment. You need to go get the album that that song's on, Josh Baldwin. Uh, the album's called The War Is Over. You need to go get it. I've, I've been, went through a season last seven, eight months of being discouraged. That has been one of the tools that has kind of helped get me out of that because we're singing songs like th- that this morning. And um, one of the songs, he, he says this line, he says, we can't add to the blood. And that has marked my heart. I mean, I knew that, but it's like sometimes you just need to hear what you know to be reminded. Listen, it is paid for. Did I say Josh Hamilton? No, okay. I said Baldwin, good. You wrote that down, didn't you? Good, good job. Good job. Because of his oath, Jesus, Hebrews seven twenty two. because of his oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. It's paid for. It's paid for. That word covenant, that old word, that old Hebrew word covenant is the word bereath. And it means a solemn binding agreement made by the passing of two pieces of flesh. See, what would happen in those days if I decided to make a covenant with Mitchell over here? I said, Mitchell, you and I are going to be in covenant with one another. So why don't you stand up with me? So what we would do, why don't you just come up here so everybody can see. So what we, are you okay with that? Okay. So what we would do if I said, Mitchell, I want to be in covenant with you. And so basically what that means is that, is that we're going to come together and we're going to say, hey, listen, if something ever happens to me, if I get killed in war or I die of a heart attack, then you're going to, then you're going to take care of all my stuff. And if something like that happens to you, I'm going to take care of all your stuff. We're in relationship. We're in connection. They said, what's, what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. We're, we're going to make an agreement. We're going to take care of one another. We're together. And so what would happen is they would have a bereath, a covenant. And so they would take a lamb or an ox or a bull, and they would cut it in half. And they'd lay its flesh on the ground, one side over here, my side, and your side. And what they would do is they would stand with their backs in the middle, just like this. And as they began to make covenant, they would walk around like a figure eight. Just walk around, Mitchell. They start off back to back. And they walk around that covenant. And they show up and they're face to face. And the many times what they would do is they would cut their hand like blood brothers, if you ever did that when you were a kid. And they would cut their hand and they would, they would hold that. And there's all kinds of ideas and sometimes the blood would drip and... And as they did that, that blood began to mix. And as that blood began to mix, he said, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. I'm blood of your blood. We are brothers forever. And it was eternally binding when they would, thank you, Mitchell, they would, when they would do that. But one of the most beautiful things about this covenant is it starts off back to back and it ends up face to face. See, some people want to list because they can be back to back with God. And I can reach him when he's there. And I have a list. But Jesus didn't come so you can be back to back. Jesus came, as it says in Second Corinthians, this is a glorious covenant, that you can be face to face, that he has taken the veil away, that you can look face to face with your creator because of the sacrifice, because of the life of Jesus that was ripped and torn in two for us to be in covenant and relationship with God. And he says, everything that I have belongs to you. And we say, yes, Lord, and you deserve it all because everything that I have belongs to you.
And it's a glorious covenant. It's glorious what Jesus has done for us. We're going to take communion together. Ushers are going to come up. And I want to share this scripture with you. And don't take this lightly. Can I get one of those? Don't take this lightly. Thank you so much. It says this about Jesus. Jesus at the end of his life. We know this. The end of his earthly first body life, if you will. He had a glorified body after he rose from the dead. But it says this, that he took the, that last supper that he had before the crucifixion. Come on, before Listen, listen, before that body was broken, right? Before that, he, he sat with his disciples and he said, listen, I want you to do this until I, reco- until I return, until I come back the second time. And this is what he said. And it says that he took the bread and he broke it. And this is what he said. Remember the breaking? And he said, this is my body given for you. My body is broken. I'm the sacrifice. This is given. Do this in remembrance of me. So when you take communion, you remember that Jesus was, his body was broken. What is his body broken for? His body's broken for your healing. His body's broken for not just your physical healing, but your emotional healing. Come on. His body is not just broken for your physical healing and your emotional healing. It was broke for your mental healing. And I believe today when we take communion, some of you, your mind is going to be healed because you got some scars there and you got some, some neural pathways that are jacked up and God wants to heal some of those things today because his body was broken for your wholeness. Then he says this, he says, in the same way, after he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the covenant. The covenant, the new covenant of my blood, which was poured out for you. See, God provided a sacrifice in Jesus so we could be fully filled. All that the law demanded, Jesus died. So you could, so the the purpose of that law could be fulfilled. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do that through our app and listen every week or you're just listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at overflowdfw at gmail.com.